Hello, welcome to the Chug and Chat. We are your hosts, Mo. And Liz. And today on the pod, um, we're going to talk about some like real fun, unfun stuff first. And then my dear friend, Julie Hendren, um, who is the artistic director of Trick Lock Theater Company. She will be um, talking to us about, she came to Portland for a really rad conference. So I got to see her in person, which was like super rad. I haven't seen her in a long time. And we not only talk about the International Theater Festival that they put on, but also kind of what she learned at this conference and just what um, art's place is in the resistance. So any who's, that's going to be really great. But but first, um, we just did our first um, like live watch thingamabob. What are we calling that? Our like thingamabarber. Yeah, we watched the first episode of Handmaid's Tale together, and it was rad as fuck. Um, it was so awesome. So we were all different bunny avatars because the program is called Rabbit. And basically, uh, it's super awesome because, I mean, they're not paying me for any advertising. No. I'm just saying. They're super awesome because basically if somebody has a Hulu account or Netflix or YouTube or literally whatever streaming you know, thing that you possibly have. As long as one person has an account, they can set up a rabbit account, open and host a chat room where they stream whatever it is that you want to watch together and invite people into the chat room. And it's so cool because there's like actually like a little chat room, like AOL status from back in the day. But then it was totally back in the day. Feeling. <laughs> it was, it was because it was even like on the same like space. And like, yeah, it was totally. Yeah, like, we were <laughs> live IMing. Like it wasn't even like we were live tweeting. Like we were sharing legit reactions. The second the best was like someone would say a line and then like everyone would post that line. Because <laughs> they were all like, we're all like, what at the that, same like, time? Yeah, when they spoiler alert, they use the word unwoman, and we all were like, unwoman, unwoman, unwoman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And the cool thing about it too is that you actually can allow it to use your camera and do it by voice. Um, however, you have to have pretty speedy internet, and yeah, it didn't I like don't. Us. And I was the host. I think if I had gone somewhere with super high speed internet, then it would have worked. But it's a little difficult because, um, of course, it's just everybody kind of joining in by video chat and it makes the streaming a little slower. So if we have less people, we might be able to do that sometime. But even just the chat feature was super fun and actually probably less distracting because it's like you can yeah. take your comments during in real time during the show without like disrupting the show. <laughs> so. I thought it to be fantastic. And then at the end, when, when you weren't streaming, we could all video in and and we got to have a talkback session afterwards. We're going to post some of the audio from that, guys. So um, that'll be coming soon. But yeah, I mean, it was really cool because then we could see each other's faces while we kind of like tried to to like wade our way through what we had just watched. It was really cool. It was a really cool did experience. You, but we're... Did, you, did you feel like, okay, so like we all obviously turned off our video cameras while we watched the whole thing, but when we turned them back on for the debrief, it was really funny to me because we all just like kind of had this like somber, like what the fuck look we on, were on our so, faces. 
Yeah, like all of our brows were so furrowed. We had lost <laughs> at least eight years off of our lives. Like <laughs> I went in wearing makeup and like didn't have it on anymore. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> I just melted away during the watching of that show. And actually, I feel like it made it much more bearable for me because I was able to like exclaim the things that bothered me so much rather than just like shouting at the TV by myself. Yeah, in real time, because I can't tell you the amount of times that, like, Morgan and I have been like, okay, watch this documentary, and we have so not So that we can talk the about the ninth minute or whatever. Right, and it's like, yeah. not like we ever have been so silly where we're like, okay, let's press play on three. But it is like, okay, we're going to watch this before we record next so that we can talk about it. And it's so much easier to be able to do it in real time because then you don't forget. And like you said, you just, like, get that validation that, like, other women are having the same reaction. And for those of you out there who haven't watched any of Handmaid's Tale yet, definitely watch episode one and let us know what you think because we were all like, whoa, this is really interesting. They're taking so many things from the book out of order and just not going to spoiler alert that in case you haven't seen it, but they made some very interesting choices that at least intrigued me enough because I was thinking about it a little bit after we talked and I'm like, okay, I might give episode two a try just to see. I'm going to, yeah. Maybe they're going to go back into more backstory in episode two and, you know, anyway, but it was my favorite part that we like got to all turn on our video cams from all, you know, over the country and just have a little debrief after it's like we're chatting in real time and then we still got to have like a really great book club like discussion afterwards it was so it was perfect my uh my best friend Erin um she just recently finished the series and she was shout out hey girl hey but um she was texting me about it today and she was like I assume you guys had a great um you know discussion and stuff and I was like wait 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 you finished the whole thing and she was like yeah it's crazy you have to keep watching and I was no. like, okay, because I had mixed feelings. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. But she was like, no, you really you know. she I don't like, even you, care. Do you hear that? Yeah, but but I was thinking like, oh, I had mixed feelings. And she, and she brought up a really actually interesting, um, super interesting point that Elizabeth Moss, um, that's her name, right? Gosh, the yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, okay. Elizabeth Moss, um, she's a Scientologist. So she was like, how super interesting is it that she's like, oh, cool, like in this really oppressive culture that like brainwashes you like super. I'll be in a show about that. Isn't that interesting? I had not put that together before she mentioned it. Um, that is wild. Yeah, I had not either. That's really, really interesting. I wonder if she's like, I feel, I feel at home. <laughs> right? Either that or I, I don't know. Anywho, that's that's about all I'm going to say about that. Because I think we'll probably do, I think we should finish the series. And I think we have got to do or go as far as we intend to. And yeah. then and then we need to do an episode about about Handmaid's Tale because it's just too fucking good. I would agree. And I one thing I will say, one final awesome thing about having this live chat while doing it is you can also... Um, which is not, you know, old-timey AOL status. You can also upload pictures and links to things. So I loved that, too, because we had some participants who were like, oh, like, the, you know, how they dealt with race in this was really interesting. And then oh, she damn, was able... I haven't read that article yet. Damn, I haven't me either. Too. Me too. And and we'll post it to our page as well because, um, yeah, just the whole concept of what she was saying was fascinating me. But I loved that she was in real time able to just share the article too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. wow, like how, uh, what an amazing way to engage over content together. It's like we, we all read this book um, and I've talked to some of my friends, of course, about this and you about this kind of ad nauseum but just to have another 
platform to do this on was really totally. pretty amazing. So shout yeah. out to all of you who participated. And I had a bunch of people messaging me who weren't able to participate last night, but definitely want to in the future. And they were yeah, really we're gonna excited. Do it again. Yeah, they were so excited about the discussion piece in general. Like, sure, like, you know, it's may sound silly to just sit there and watch a show together, but you're talking the whole time. And then to have a debrief after, I mean, it's just amazing. It's just yeah. Amazing. And quick shout out to my mom who hung in and watched the whole episode and then listened to the entire talk back last night but yes. didn't want to register on the website so she didn't she couldn't respond to anybody's stuff <laughs> I, she couldn't chat and she couldn't be a part of it but she listened and she sent me this great text I called her after it was over and um, I, I, we chatted for a minute and then she sent me this great text that was like really enjoyed listening to you guys I was like mom so anyway mom. Shout, out to, shout out to my mom again shout forever. out to your mom for sure I mean the fact just even that she was there to support and like hear what we were talking about is really awesome. And I'd love to hear her thoughts about the show sometime too. She was like, it's fucking weird. I was like, yeah, yeah. Cause she's not, she's not read the book and I'm trying to convince her to read the book first. I know. Well, and I convinced Rachel to read the book first as well, or maybe she just already had that plan in mind. Once we put the event up, I can't remember which, but she oh, finished yeah, she it like the day it. before. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I am finishing it for this episode. And it was like, you know, it'll be interesting, you guys, if you haven't seen it and you haven't read the book, just consider which one you want to do first, because we had a lot of discussion around like, would we actually have any idea what's going on in episode yeah. one? Yeah, and we it's hard to parse that. It's really hard to to kind of lend vocabulary to that because you don't know. There's no way that it's such a the book cre- paints such a picture for you. It's really hard to kind of remove that. Anywho, totally. yeah, totally. watch it, read it, do the things, and then eventually we'll talk about it. And then listen to us talk about it. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> Except not bye. <laughs> Except not bye. We have a lot more to talk about. Don't go away. <laughs> and like that makes it sound like we have like a commercial break like don't go away right dun, 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 dun. I we wish don't we, we don't have any sponsors, sponsors yet yeah. i know <laughs> should we just make one up i'd like to, um, i'd like to give a shout out to the show sister sister for <laughs> without permission letting us use their theme song with other lyrics don't tell anyone guys don't tell anyone that we're doing that because we might get in big trouble <laughs> True confessions. <laughs> and earlier I was like, Julie's intro. <laughs> Feminist Fridays. Yeah, okay. it works, but no, that's Feminist Friday. Feminist mm-hmm. Friday. Anyway, oh, this yeah. isn't Feminist. Well, no, it is. This is Feminist Friday. Oh, my God. Yes. What am I talking about? It is. We're getting too into the sister sister theme I know. Song. I'm sorry. So um, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about healthcare. Let's talk about what the fuck's going on with, with this healthcare bill right now. Oh my god, I cannot tell you how relieved I am that phone calls, etc., made some sort of difference, or at least just you know the GOP's general lack of transparency made a difference in them not being able to do anything before this recess. They decided to postpone the vote. Yeah, yeah. So the vote the vote is being postponed, and and it could, from what I've been hearing, it could be like indefinitely and not indefinitely like forever but like it's it may not be the first thing on the docket when they get back to um i think this is going i think space from this bill is the most important thing that we as democrats can have um i think people are going to go home they're going to be on recess they're going to talk to some people about this or maybe not maybe they just have a minute to like think about it I probably won't talk to anyone about it. Yeah, they'll probably (laughs) fucking hide like i would if i was a republican right now because i wouldn't i'd be terrified but for shame for shame yeah for shame um, but, you know, I think they're probably g- going to come back. And this is something that, like, I'm totally stealing from, from Pod Save America, from a bunch of the other podcasts that I, that I follow. 
um, that have been saying like, well, they're not going to come back like more fond of this bill. <laughs> like they're not going to leave and <laughs> come back and be like, vacation. you know, yeah, like you really talked me, you know, after thinking about it, after two American million Americans sounds pretty good. So um, the CBO released their score and it says that now under this bill, um, the revision of the House bill, this, this is the Senate bill. Um, mind you, this is before anybody puts in amendments or like any, they don't call them amendments, do they? Maybe they yeah, do. Yeah, they do. Okay. They, I thought, felt like they had another word for them. Anyways, um, before there are any like additions or anything made to the bill or any, any restructuring done um, on the floor, the CBO score came out and said that there are now 22 million Americans that will not have health care, I think by 2020. Um, Which is like soon you know i mean like yeah just pause that's for fucking a now like that's like that's now. Like now and not for okay this is an aside but like do you remember like when it felt like a really long time ago when people were saying we had until 2020 to like do something about climate change yeah <laughs> it's yeah two years away okay anyway that's depressing but it's like not even um, three years away it's like two and a half years away like it, it depends are you talking new years what are you talking you know like <laughs> yeah what are we talking about here no it's totally true and 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 question i don't know if you know the answer to this but is the one is the less than is the jump from 23 million to 22 million is that because they took out the pre-existing conditions piece or know. was it a number of things or, i don't know yeah, i mean my i'd have to look more into it too my guess is that it's the um my guess is that it's the expansion of medicaid holding through to that long so oh, it's yeah. it is my understanding that this bill so the house bill had a gradual decline of medicaid um of medicaid benefits um or not medicaid sorry medicare benefits medicare, medicare. benefits yeah medicare yes. benefits um and under this bill you will have Medicare benefits until a certain date and then they will cease to exist. So you, you fall off the cliff on this one. So if I had to guess, I would think that that probably made a pretty large impact on getting that million people back. But I'm, I don't know that for sure. I'm certainly not. I'm not well versed enough in this bill to be able to talk about that. Um, but that's that's just my guess. Well, who is? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So and the thing that I thought that was so interesting about this um, is that and and like of course like none of my thoughts are original thoughts people i'm getting them from all of these other sources that i'm listening to and reading and i i, I have thought that it's super interesting the way this is being framed because often what's been in my mind like especially of late is you know how is conservative media able to put a spin on this shit to make it sound like it's a good thing like what what can they possibly say that that's going to make their their base go no no it sounds great you know like what what the fuck can they even do and and so what they what has you know how it's being framed right now is like the senate bill ensures one million more americans than the house bill and it's like well it sure does <laughs> it sure does guys but that's still that's still 22 mi like we're not yeah, we can't glass half here. full this shit right now yeah, how great. You saved one million more people out of 23, like you fucking dicks. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't, like, and it says, like, before a certain year. Like, that CBO score doesn't. I don't think it, I don't think it goes beyond a certain number of years. So, like, I feel like even more than that could be at stake. Yeah. Well, and of course, like, also the way they're framing it is that the CBO score 
shouldn't even be considered because how could they possibly know the true impact of and i'm just like you know what we have so many like smart things with data in the digital age that i think that they probably could make a pretty decent guess on the impact like well they're called the congressional budget office for a fucking reason yeah. It's not like a study <laughs> released by undergrads at Arizona State. Not saying Arizona, <laughs> do, like not shitting on Arizona State, but do you know what I mean? Like, I like this is that, though. I don't know. I just, it was the first state school I could think of that wasn't my alma mater because I refused to shit on my alma mater. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's like, it wasn't like a single study has come out by some person that nobody's ever some heard rando. of. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like some some dude who we interviewed on CNN. Like, no, that's not that's not even. They were all waiting for this. All of the strategists, all of the financial strategists, all of the economists. They were waiting for this, like this actual information to come out before they came up with their own findings. So, what does that tell you? Right. I mean, it's it's got to be fairly reliable. But thank God for the senators, like who actually came out and said, like, I will not even agree to vote on just like discussing the bill like like yeah we this can't even go to you know bringing it to the floor for a discussion i'm like thank god there are some people still left with a spine well and i mean to be fair some of those people like ted cruz were like no this doesn't get the job done where because they were claiming it was too much like obamacare but like i'll take it i'll take it like you can say that the bill's not mean enough and not vote for it, and that still doesn't get him the votes. So I'll take it. Yeah, just still don't vote for it. That's fine. That is so crazy, though. Like, did you say Rand Paul was one of the people that I said think, that to Yeah, you? Rand Paul, I believe, was, yeah. That's just, like... <sighs> I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but how could how could you possibly frame it as it's too much like Obamacare? It's nothing like Obamacare. I think it's just because this, because of the Medicaid or Medicaid, oh God, I keep mixing them up, Medicare expansion in this bill requires so much more money. It gives, you know, a couple less billion to our richest. And I think that's like the point is that it's not, it doesn't yeah. cut funds enough. Yeah, for them like to you, get you people are just like gross humans like if you care that much about like yeah. your own freaking pockets yeah Ugh, so i mean jeff sessions jeff bomb. sessions bomb but you know so i guess we stay tuned right like we stay tuned and we see what's going to happen with this call everyone you know who lives in some of those battleground states who lives in nevada who lives in west virginia um who lives in some of these places that it's really gonna hit hard um, and, and tell them to call their Congress people, please tell them to call their Congress people because this is like crazy town. And then even if you live in a democratic state, like call, call and say like, I want to know that you're doing everything that you can to stop this healthcare bill, please, because just make your voice heard. It has to, we have to keep working. We have to keep trying. And, and that's, that's at this point, that's what we can do. That's our task. And if you guys are nervous about that, then we will record a session where we call our senators yeah. so you can hear exactly how it sounds and how easy it is. Because if you've never done it before, it's literally the easiest thing in the world. Like half of the time, they won't even answer the phone and you already have a script prepared for you by so many great sites that will continue to share that have yeah. wonderful scripting. All you have to do is leave a message, give your zip code and your name, give the message. And actually the same is exactly true if you talk to someone and remember you're talking to a staffer 
who is their job is to relay the message and to count like how many messages they're getting like they're not the ones in power that are going to change things i think you said this last time morgan but like don't be mean to them right they're (laughs) they're they're the front desk guy at the hotel who forgot your reservation they're not the person who did that they're the person who's there like fixing it (laughs) or not fixing it but like who is probably you know in grad school as a volunteer and intern and you know is there is that's you know their job is to catalog all of those messages or whatever they're the messenger don't shoot the messenger just like as a quick, I, you know, before we move on from healthcare, I just looked up really quickly because there is stuff going on with Medicaid, um, with the the Senate bill as well. Um, just in case you guys are curious about that as well, because it's it's basically saying um, that the number of people covered by Medicaid in 2026 would be 15 million lower than under current law. So it's wow. just yet another thing that would be really terrible. I mean, think about like, just for those of you who don't know, like Medicare is for the elderly after they retire and Medicaid is for low income individuals, um, more and more of whom, um, have been able to rely on it. Um, not just because of, um, you know, Obamacare itself, but particularly Medicaid expansion. So, so many people, like more people than we've ever seen have been able to have access to healthcare because of Medicaid expansion in particular. So it's also something um, very important to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Thank so you just for bringing wanted, that up. Just, just wanted to add that one in. Since yeah. It, it, it wouldn't it be nice if they could just call them something different so Medicaid and Medicare wouldn't get so confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that yeah. be nice? Y'all, mm-hmm. can, can you figure that out? <laughs> Actually, I just wish that I knew more about it in general. And it's something that, like, over the next couple of weeks, while I have, like, next week, I have a lot more, um, I wouldn't say free time, but I have a lot less structured time. <laughs> you have some so, reading time. <laughs> I have a little bit of reading time. I have a little bit of reading time. And I, I, I really want to dedicate it to it because I think it's so important that we know what our Congress people are voting for, that we know how we can protect ourselves if this thing does pass like it's just crazy it's fucking you know crazy. what's a cool resource for that i'll just name one more thing yeah you know, there's please. so many out there but i um follow the skim i don't know if you get oh, that oh but... i don't know so, so the skim it's like one of the many um things where you can get sort of a an aggregated like summary of everything current going on in the news and they email oh, you every it. day they give you like funny little summaries but they also give you links to things but they're doing a really cool thing where now they're picking like um a really important policy effort oh, um to focus whoa. on like at a time so they have like a whole page right now dedicated to healthcare that's being continuously updated with like what's going on what's important for us as citizens to know so that's just it's the skim s k i m m so that. just just like for for those of you out there if you're looking for a place to start um it's actually been a really good resource well that's fantastic thank you for yeah. I, I want that big time so it's basically like the new york times daily their podcast yeah. but like about yeah that's that's awesome exactly and it, it. it's nice because it links to so many different publications and stuff too so you yeah. get a good mix of uh what you're what you're trying to learn and like that's really and cool skim through the news considering like god we don't have time to like read up on all of this all the time it's hard <laughs> it's hard to keep up with yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's switch away from healthcare. But yes, you guys, this is not over yet. We still need to keep letting our senators know that it's extremely important. So let, let's move on to the next depressing thing. We uh, to mention. <laughs> all right, team. So we're back on the quote unquote travel ban, but it is actually the fucking Muslim ban. That is now being added to the docket for the fall for the Supreme Court. And while that sounds like that's a great thing, like it sounds like, oh, good. Maybe we can put a stop to this once and for all. And that is true. Um, it's also very interesting kind of the way that they're going about it. Um, since they're not able to hear the case, uh, they, aren't, they aren't able to hear um, oral arguments until the fall. They're allowing parts of the travel ban to go into effect. Um, so this is an article. I'm going to read a couple of things from this article. It's, it's on CNN. It's by Ariane DeVogue. Um, and it's from Tuesday, June 27th. And it says the court is allowing the ban to go into effect for foreign nationals who lack any bona fide relationship. And this is a quote, quote, bona fide relationship with any person or entity in the United States. The court, in an unsigned opinion, left the travel ban against citizens of six majority Muslim on hold as applied to non-citizens with relationships with persons or entities in the United States, which includes most of the plaintiffs in both cases. Um, so <laughs> did you just hear all the video that played? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, like, I'm on. It's like video... someone's reporting the news to you, like from behind you. <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. So the video started playing. Anyways, what it was, um, what, what it basically says is that anyone who's coming from um, six uh, majority Muslim countries into the United States who does not have a, quote, bona fide um, relationship with either a person or an entity, which is a really interesting thing. Um, yeah, what does that mean? A... Like an organization or like a... Right. So so now that's what's kind of floating around. There's a zillion articles now that you can find. It's like, okay, so is being a refugee and having a relationship with an organization that's going to find you housing, is that enough? Yeah. Um, is being someone who's coming and your mother-in-law lives here, but your bride or like your wife doesn't necessarily? Or is... Um, having booked, so one interesting thing I was listening to, um, that was mentioned on the daily, um, New York Times podcast was talking about like, what if someone comes or, or, or is, um, planning to come to the country and they've booked a hotel room and that is technically a bona fide relationship with an entity, with an organization, like with a company, does right. that count? Wow. So the real question is who is left up, you know, who is this left who up to? to? Decide, yeah. Right. Who gets to decide? And I don't think they know yet. So, like, it's not as if the Supreme Court is going to be, like, deciding on a case-by-case -case basis because that's millions, literally millions of people who are trying to get into this country for, for a zillion different reasons. And, you know, who's, who's up? Is it up to the person who's personally vetting them? Is it up to that immigration officer? And then, and, and then like, what? I don't know. I mean, this is, it's just wow. really fucked up. That's so fucked up. <laughs> like, so oh my that's God. what's happening. That's fucking what's happening. And, um, you know, I mean, I think the only thing we can do about that is try to get involved as possible, as involved as, pos as involved as possible. And 
you know, try, try to encourage people to err on the side of trusting people and what their bona fide relationships are. Like if you know someone here, then, then you should come here. Like if you're, if your sister lives here, if you're, if you, you know, are going to go to college here, if like, I don't, I don't know if you You need to get away from where you are. What? I would also say that like, this would be a really important time then to reach out to refugee organizations or organizations that work with immigrants, um, or even just find, events or community gatherings or you know whatever probably your own company potentially um where you can find folks um who you can build a relationship with who um would be in that position because fuck i mean if it's a matter of friendship if i can be a bona fide relationship for anybody i will do that a thousand times a day if i have to so i mean i will always promote this idea because we should not other others and we should always have a very diverse group of people that we communicate with and who we talk to and i truly believe in the power of relationships to remove othering because you naturally relate to each other and find things that are more similar than different but now more than ever you should really be (laughs) reaching out to muslim communities already in america to start figuring out how to build those relationships so that we can keep doing that and oh my god the goddamn fire alarm i'm gonna mute myself for a sec (laughs) so first you guys this is real life welcome to real life at the check and chat this is fire (laughs) alarm this is serious that's what happens i'm like (laughs) i had a video she's smoking her ears are smoking and that's what set off her fire alarm i'm so angry Um, about this (laughs) (laughs) and i had a video play while i was reading articles so you know it's real life it's It's real real life life. but any who's you know so hello hi i'm so excited (laughs) that you're here i'm so happy i'm here too yay so um i want to introduce to the pod julie hendren she is the artistic director of trick black theater company i have known her for a long time mm-hmm. since I was a little baby yeah. doing doing baby theater uh-huh. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just have like lots of questions I want to ask you. I'm very excited. I mean, first, tell us just about Trick Lock a little bit because yeah. not everybody knows, but sure. I do. Yeah. So Trick Lock is, we're actually 24 years old, which is bananas. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> I know. Um, so we're a, um, we're a devised theater ensemble, which means that we create work as a group, you know, Mm -hmm. original work as a group predominantly. We do some scripted work, but that's a lot of what we do. Um, and we, uh, tend to focus on, you know, issues that are sort of looking at the darker side of humanity. We're also a female heavy group. We're predominantly women. So we do a lot of stuff around women's issues, things like that. And our stuff tends to be physical, absurd, weird puppets, you know, yeah, experimental. And so that's like kind of like the crux of who we are. Then we have a huge international mission um, with, a, with a big focus around sort of, you know, humanizing world affairs and politics and things through theater, through storytelling. And so part of that is we um, produce the Revolutions International Theater Festival. So for every three weeks, we bring companies from all over the world to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We tend to bring um, political stuff or more off-center stuff, you know, experimental work. And, um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a huge community-based event. There's a lot of, like, gatherings and workshops and um, exchange. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, Revolutions yeah. was something that like I did not realize how incredible it was till I moved to Portland. Uh-huh. And they like 
had an international theater festival. Uh-huh. And I was like, we're going. We have to go. I have to see it. I have to be a part of it. And I went and was like, oh, but like this, these people are just from Canada. Like, I realized like, how spoiled I was yeah. being able to see people literally from all over the world yeah. doing really interesting work and really like work that I will remember forever. Yeah. Like I, there are certain pieces that I've only got to see like 15 minutes of because I was like running to do. But like I'll remember Pollock forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain pieces that that really stuck with you. And as an artist, especially as like a young, budding artist, totally such an important part and such an important thing to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I think especially, you know, American theater, not to generalize or stereotype, but, you know, the, the, the bulk of American theater is sort of a little more traditional straight theater. That's kind of its bag. You know, people think theater and they're like New York and they're Broadway. Um, which is super, but it's you know there's when you when you get out of the United States, right. um, the truth is is that um, you know theater means a lot of different things, and so you know it's circus, it's it is it's political theater, it's performance art, it's you know street theater, and there's just not a ton of that in the U.S. And so I think that some of it, especially when when we're young theater artists or young artists of any kind, mm-hmm. or just just people, you know, yeah. we're like, oh, I thought it was this. Like, I hear a lot. I didn't know theater could look like that. I didn't know theater could be like that. Do you think that that's going to change now in this new era? Like, do you think that there's um, something that we talk about a lot, and I'm sure you talk about all mm-hmm. the time, is sort of what it means to be an artist in this day uh-huh. and age, what it means to be an artist in Trump's America. Right, I was say, the double running our country. Yeah, with, like, <laughs> the dumpster fire that is our universe that yeah. we're, like, trying to navigate through. Sure. And, you know, how do we, like, find each other as artists and, and make art out of something shitty? And, you know, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. that's... I'm, do you think that that's about to change? Yeah, I don't know so much that it's going to change radically in the sense of, of the style of theater. Mm-hmm. I do think that U.S. theater is sort of, like, fundamentally based in a particular thing. However, I, you know, I can already see it. Playwrights are writing about it. Um, you know, there the groups that are devised work like us or the Rude Mechs or, you know, yeah. uh, Pig Iron or something like that are, are, you know, of course, you can't help but work on what's happening because it affects you deeply. Um, but writers are working on it. I think that even like lower theaters, which are kind of the professional bigger theater houses, you know, I think, I think they're choosing their seasons a little bit. So they might do like Enemy of the People by mm-hmm. Ibsen because it's a little like... Or like King Lear. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I think they're, you know, like, how do you, um, I, you know, theater is a reflection of life always. And so how do you, how do you choose the things that can help people navigate, like, <laughs> their day to day? Totally, yeah. totally. And then something that Laurel and I talked about when she was on the pod a couple of weeks ago was like, how do you then, um, like, theater is practicing action, right? It's, it's witnessing mm-hmm. other people practice action. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, how important do you think it is to sort of, and this might leading to my greater question about your one woman show that you're working right. on, um, how important do you think it is, how important is it to choose those things very intentionally and, the, and be trying then to kind of cultivate the right sort of actions and the right sort of thoughts around around the art that you're making? Mm-hmm. That is... The, that's always that's the question. That's the journey. Like that's the thing. Um, you know, I definitely, as an artist, and I bet a lot of people did this. I mean, I was really debilitated um, initially. I was really uncertain, and and I had to sort of just start, like baby steps, like one foot for the other, and just going. You know what? I I do good work. Mm-hmm. I do work that brings people together. I have a space that is safe. And I can make it even safer, make sure that there's, you know, there's signs up that are like, you are welcome here, be mm-hmm. safe, et cetera, and have a place for people to come and, and do things. And so just starting there. And then as it's continued on, 
you start to dig deeper. So like for me, a huge part of my effort right now is actually around the, tra the, the travel ban stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the international work that I do, and I'm like, okay, how do I get an Iraqi artist you know, here at the festival? How do I get some Syrian artists here? How do I talk about the refugee crisis? How do I explain that at the end of the, you know, there's 64 million refugees in the world. And Donald Trump is a lot, you know, he's like, I guess we can take 50,000. And you know, 22 million of them. I mean, these are forced. These are not. These are forced migrations. Right. And 22 million of them have refugee status. It is. It's appalling to me that 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 we are dehumanizing mm -hmm. people. Um, and and so one of the one of the best ways to humanize is is through theater. It's through right. storytelling. It's face to face. You, know, you just can't ignore it. It's not. It's not a screen. It's not tweets. Mm -hmm. It's not an article. It's not. It's not stuff you can ignore. It's like. I'm telling you my story, I'm in front of you, my blood is pumping, you, you know, pay attention. Yeah. And so a lot of my focus is going there. That's really cool. I hope so. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah. Like, and it's yeah. also like just like super exhausting. I mean, we talk a lot about like what it is to be an, an empath in Trump's America. Uh -huh. It's just yeah. like you're like giving to this endless black hole, yeah. you know, and being able to make art around it is, is like at least been super therapeutic. That's like what my, the podcast is my art because I just love listening and like reuniting with all these people that yeah. I've known forever. But uh -huh. like, I've never gotten to sit down and have this conversation uh -huh. with you, which yeah. is like, like I've like taken classes from you and right. learned stuff from you, <laughs> but I've never been able to be like, what's in your brain? Yeah, yeah. And it's really, that's, it's really cool. It's a, it's a really cool journey to just figure out what everybody's doing to sort of come and like what their most important issue is that they're all working on the front lines. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean with that, tell me about your one woman show. I want to hear all about yeah. it. So I'm, 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 I'm writing a show about human trafficking, so it's really light and joyful. Um, so yeah, I um, um, I was reading an article uh, a, a while back about how they had to train um, flight attendants or train flight attendants mm -hmm. to look for human trafficking victims. And it was really shocking. You know, it was this thing of like, you know, a well-dressed man, um, you know, sort of probably a bit older. You've got a young woman who's, who probably looks a little disheveled, is a little, you know, dirty or something like that. And it's, you know, all these all these sort of signs to look for. And I thought, wow, like, not only do you have to, like, you know, deal with, like, assholes on the plane and serve drinks and, you know, et cetera, but now now you're, you're basically sort of trying to shelter and save people. Yeah. And, and again, going back to that dehumanizing, I, I, I cannot, I do not understand how we dehumanize people. I don't understand it. And so, um, and then in, in collaboration with that, then we went to Ukraine, which has a huge um, problem with human trafficking. Um, um, and, and then I watched this really sort of oogie um, documentary about mail-order brides from Ukraine. Which is like a different thing, and yeah. I, you know, might have some judgment about that, but whatever. It's its own version it's, of trafficking, kind of depending on whether or not it's yeah, consensual or it's a not. Little, it's a little weird to me. Yeah. I'm for sure, I am a privileged white United States citizen that is not lost on me, but right. it's, it's intense. And so, yeah, so I decided to make a, a show about it. And so, um, and it's kind of, I have a style in my solo work where I do, you know, several different characters and it's um, a pretty straightforward story. Which and, I'm very good at, by the way. Thanks. I really love it. Yeah. And this one's definitely got a sort of, I'm playing a lot with sort of like TV movie style. So it's got a kind of law and ordery feel to it. It's like yeah. a young journalist is assigned, she has to go and write about this like mail order bride like service and she's pissed and she's a feminist and she's mad. She has to write it. And, but she goes out and meets this woman from Ukraine who's married to this American guy. And, and, and in the course of it, realizes that the woman's sister is missing. 
and oh. so it goes it sort of goes back and 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 it it speaks from the sister's point of view the missing sister's point of view as well and she goes to Ukraine and she tries to find a sister and there's this character Vadim this Russian who is sort of the person that you know part of this this sort of criminal operation and he's in jail and so it just it's, it kind wow. of goes yeah and it's it's sad and and it, you know I mean definitely there's a journey for her and for me a lot of the reason why I started to write it is actually because I was trying to navigate my privilege mm. and you know what do you do with it and and how do you and a lot of it of course is about listening it's about not being um, precious about it or not not precious it's like it just just accepting kind of the criticism mm-hmm. you know when people check you and they're like you don't understand you know you're like good okay yeah right I, I don't, don't. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely help you know what can I do yeah and um, but in the process of that you know in in, in looking at this um, this issue of human trafficking that's a lot of it like I work out my stuff in my shows. So I'm I'm working. So that character is kind of me, and that's that's the journey she goes on. Like she starts in this sort of you know I think like high and mighty, like I'm a feminist, I'm doing all this good stuff, and it's sort of like oh, no matter how good you, how hard you try, no matter how good you are, that doesn't necessarily actually mean that everything's going to work out. Right. Yeah. Right. And it also doesn't mean that you understand the problem. Like you're not necessarily always correct when you come to an understanding what the problem is. Absolutely. So that's that's a really that's gonna be a really interesting journey. I like I wanna watch it. Are you yeah. gonna film it? Are you gonna put it anywhere? Well I'm hoping that it's at the moment I have this scene where I think I'm gonna try to slip my throat. Oh like, my everywhere. Yeah. Um but other than that scene, <laughs> I think it's gonna... it's not funny, it's horrible, <laughs> but it's kind of funny. But, <laughs> but I think other than that scene, I'm hoping that it's actually a fairly easy show to tour. Yeah. Um and so I'm kind of hoping if it's successful, if it works. I did a, I, I did like twenty minutes of it and it, it seemed people seem to really like it. So I'm hoping that if I get it and it's working, that I, I'll actually tour it around. Yeah, so that'd be all great. Yeah, come up this Come way. here, woo! Yeah. Come to Portland. Yeah. Portland, like, and we have a huge human trafficking problem here. I mean, there's in in the airport, in all of the bar, if you're in downtown in bars, and or at least when we first moved here four years ago, um, if you're in like we're in this part of town right now, we're in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the bars and in, in the bathrooms have the same poster. That's like, if you see something, say something. Um, I mean, people like security guards at the airport, TSA people will ask like young girls what their names are yeah. and then say like, I'm sorry. And everyone's like, no, no, no. We're glad that you're doing it. You know, yeah. it's, it's a really interesting sort of moment when you're, when you're on the streets here, it feels very safe, mm-hmm. but there's so much that goes on. And that's of course part of, part of privilege too. You know, like you can walk around and think that everything's great and safe and like what a beautiful city I live in, but you just don't go those four blocks down yeah. toward the docks or like wherever this stuff is happening. And you just don't see it, and then yeah, it, yeah. and it doesn't make it into the mainstream news, so nobody hears about it yeah. or sees it unless you're there living it. Right. So exactly. I mean, that, so what are you doing like for research for this show? I mean, they're probably reading all of the worst and most awful things. I am reading a lot of really terrible things. Um, I'm I'm interviewing a, um, a, an, a some police officers who work in um, pr- predominantly in. Um, it's like with prostitutes and things yeah. like that. So, um, but have a little bit of, which, you know, that's a lot of domestic human trafficking is that. Mm-hmm. Girls were being sort of taken and, and put into prostitution. And then, um, and then actually, you know, I, I, I did a bit when I was in Ukraine. Like we actually were at a restaurant and I, next to us was one of those weirdo dates. Oh. So it was like a man probably in his early fifties, um, white American guy, a super young Ukrainian girl and then next to her was um, a little bit older Ukrainian woman who was clearly kind of the broker and the translator 
And yeah, and I actually just took that scene almost verbatim and put it in my play because he was like at his laptop and he was like showing her photos and he was so, he was so gross and boring. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like, you know, like here I am at Yellowstone. I mean, I didn't go in, but there it is. Oh, here's my, here's my backyard. Here's my truck. And she's there, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She doesn't understand anything to say. And the woman's translating, and they're doing a lot of like, hey, no, no, it's good, this is great. And I was just, it was like, disgusting. No, no, it's good, this is great. And I was just, it was like, disgusting. So we just...